Amen. Please turn to um, Exodus 34. And as you're turning or scrolling or whatever, Mike, you just come, you had, I think this really ties in with what I'm going to preach this morning, so just ask Mike to just briefly share the picture. Was it a picture? Good morning. So I've got a picture of a subplow. So a subplow, S-U-B, plow, as in plow in the field. So farmers use subplows on ground that's compressed. When ground's being compressed by weight, and the water, you see the water pooling on it, they use a subplow, and it goes deep into the ground and lifts the ground up and breaks the, lift, breaks the ground up so the water can get back through. And I see a picture of our lives compressed, pushed down hard by the weight of life, by pressures of life. And God this morning wants to come in and use a subplow and break that hardness up so that his spirit, instead of just pulling on the surface, instead of just being shallow, can get down deep to where the need and the hurt is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, Exodus 34, verse 1 to 5, says this, The Lord said to Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready in the morning, and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or to be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and the herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. The Lord, Yahweh, the Lord, he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And he goes on to describe himself more and more. I don't know if you've ever been disappointed in your life. I'm guessing that you have. And uh, I know when I was a young lad, um, I was pretty decent at cricket. I was okay. And... uh, we got called up by, by name, which was like a, a special honour, to go for winter training with, at the time, Yorkshire's best cricketer. It was the 80s, and uh, I'll not say his name because he might be watching on live stream, but, uh, <laughs> but we were so excited that this world-famous Yorkshire cricketer, brilliant batsman, you know, just used to defend all the time, really. But, he, you know, every time he battered, you know, he made 100 or, or, or more. And you probably guessed who it is anyway, but I'm not going to tell his name. And we were so excited that this guy was going to come and do some training with us. And he rolled up in his Ford Granada. He had a really flash car in that time. And he got out his big, massive cricket bat and he strode in. And he, he started to train us. And we were so thrilled that this amazing, world-renowned cricketer was, was training us. At least for the first session, anyway. <laughs> but the more we spent time with this guy, the more we disliked him. Because he was full of himself. 
He was arrogant. He was boastful. He was really sort of like, you know, not just bullying towards us, but he was like just really off. And, uh, you know, no one liked him in the team whatsoever. So the following year, when the, the manager of the team said, oh, we've got that guy coming back and he's going to train us in the winter, everybody just went, really? <laughs> Nobody liked him. Nobody liked him. It was a real, real disappointment. And I want you to think about Moses here in this particular setting. What an absolutely awesome time in Moses' life that God was using him to bring the Ten Commandments to the, to the children of, of, of Israel. It was an exhilarating time for him. It was a, probably a very scary time for him to have the Lord come down in a cloud and stand before him on that mountaintop experience. And in so many ways, it was a pretty amazing experience. And maybe you've had those times where you've been in a meeting and it just, you just didn't care how long it went on for because God was in the place. God was doing stuff and you thought, I never want to leave here. It's brilliant. The chicken's burning in the oven, but I don't care because this is absolutely a fantastic time. And maybe that time finished and you, you, you walked out and maybe somebody went and broke it or something happened in your life and you became very disappointed and it robbed you of that particular blessing. We can only imagine how Moses must have felt in this particular passage. Our words wouldn't probably even begin to describe the emotions that were go going on with him. And yet Moses could have quite easily missed the whole fantastic chapter of his life and this is his experience of God. You see, this account of Moses going up Mount Sinai to receive the commandments, as we see, was his second time. You know, God says to him here, as you carried the earlier, the other two stone tablets, as you did before. So what happened? Well, Exodus 32 Exodus 32, records it. Verse 17. So, they've received the Ten Commandments. They're coming down the mountain. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there's a sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, well, it's not the sound of victory, and it, it's not the sound of defeat. It's the sound of singing that I hear, or your version might say celebration going on. When Moses approached the camp, he saw the calf, the golden calf, and the dancing, and his anger burned. And he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf the people, uh, the, the, the people had made, and he burned it in the fire. And then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. I think you could safely say Moses was disappointed. <laughs> Moses was absolutely angry at the Israelites. So angry that he ground up this, this golden calf and made them drink it. He'd encountered God at such a high level and he was bringing the law of God down to the people 
expecting them to be eager for it and ready for it and looking up the mountain to see where he came. And when he came, they were completely, not just distracted, they were worshipping another god. They'd made an idol for themselves. Might be that um, something's happened in your walk with God to bring you disappointment, to bring you heartache, to really smash anything that God's done in your life. And it might be that you're at that place right now where, where, where you're embittered or you're on the verge of letting that bitterness take root or something like that. Paul, when he was writing to the Galatians, he said to them in chapter 5, verse 7, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Who cut in on you? Who barged you out of the way? When he's writing to the Corinthians, Paul's encouraging them that when they gather together, when they're, they're about to remember all that Jesus has done on the cross, they need to get their hearts right with God, but they also need to get their relationships right with each other as well. Because if that doesn't happen, then there's a blockage to blessing. There's a restriction, there's a hurdle, there's a barrier between going on with God. And we all know that feeling. We've all had something happen to us. Someone said something, someone's done something, and it creates a, a real anger and a real bitterness in us. And it can become a blockage. And there's nothing that we hate more then the Holy Spirit just prodding us and prompting us and saying, you need, you need to go and sort that out. Because our response nearly always, my response is, I don't know about yours, it's, well, it's their fault, God. They started it. Why don't, why don't, you, get, why don't you prompt them? God might be prompting them, but he's prompting you. He's prompting you. And it's our, it's our choice whether we obey him or not. But if we don't obey him, then we're really restricting any blessing coming into our, our lives. I want to encourage you today. There may be a few of us here. You made a mistake in your Christian life. And you think that that's just created a blockage in your life. And you'll never get as close to God as you, you were in the past. That's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. You may have made a, made a mistake. But isn't God a forgiving God? Isn't God a faithful God? Isn't God a, a God of love? Doesn't he cast our sins as far as the, the east is from the west? He throws them over his shoulder and he never looks back. The amazing thing with God is he forgets our sin. For some reason, we can't seem to forget it, but God purposely chooses to forget our sin. And if that's you, maybe God wants to encourage you this morning. You know, don't be, like Mike said there, hard ground. Don't be compacted by the bitterness or the hurt or anything like that. Allow the Holy Spirit to plow up that ground, to allow God's waters to come down, the living waters to come and irrigate. Moses had a decision to make. He devoted his entire life to leading these people out of slavery and into blessing. And here they were putting themselves back into slavery again of a different kind of idolatry. Would he turn his back on them? Would he dust the feet off? Would he wash his hands of them? His anger burned, but it was a righteous anger. 
And he could have left it to smolder and smolder and smolder and to become a real problem. Or did he recognize that maybe this was an opportunity to get back with, with God and find out what God was doing, not allow the devil to have a foothold? And this might be your position this morning. You, you were running a good race, but something's cut in on you. You have a decision to make. I'm not minimizing it. It might be something very, very hurtful. But you know what? If it's very, very hurtful, you need God. You need God to help you. Moses went back to God. He pleaded for forgiveness. He dealt with his own pride as well. God told him to go back up the mountain with a second lot of stone tablets. I can imagine, I mean, carving out a set of stone tablets takes a bit of time. You can imagine him chipping away at those rocks and really sort of like bashing it with a hammer. Maybe he was thinking of one or two of them Israelites as he was bashing those, those stones with his hammer, chiseling out them things. Then what does he have to do? He has to pick up these stone tablets and start lugging them back up the mountain. Have you ever walked up a mountain? Have you ever walked up a mountain with just a rucksack that's got a sandwich and a flask in it? Have you ever walked up a mountain carrying two big paving slabs like Moses had to do? You can imagine him probably tempted to moan and to groan. But as he walks up that mountain and he overlooks and he can see the camp. The last time he saw the camp, his anger was burning because he knew this wasn't the sound that was a right sound. It was them worshipping another god. And as he walked up that mountain and he overlooked that crowd, he walked round the corner and there were the previous smashed tablets of stone. What do you do in that situation? You've got a choice. You either stay there and say, they're only going to do the same thing and turn around and go back down. Or you step over them. And Moses stepped over them. And Moses went up the mountain and received the Ten Commandments. And every single one of us here is blessed because of that action. All these centuries later on, our laws, the basis of our judicial system and everything like that, based on those stone tablets that previously Moses had smashed to pieces but at this point in his life, he had to step over that and go on and find God and find how God was going to bless mankind from then on. God never disappoints. Moses had a life-changing encounter. I dare to say he had an encounter with God at the foot of the mountain because God challenged him to go back up. But he had an encounter with God at the top of the mountain as well. But that mountaintop encounter would have never have happened had he not had the bottom of the mountain encounter. You might be at the bottom of that mountain. You might be harboring some stuff that's really affected you. If you don't have that encounter with God, you're never going to have that mountaintop experience. Find it in your heart. Find it in the grace of God to step over. Step Step out, I would say. Step out in faith 
and trust in God. Step over past failure and step into blessing. If you remember nothing else this morning, step out, step over, step into. Step out, step over, step into. We used to sing a song, didn't we? Only by grace can we enter. Only by grace can we stand. Not by our human endeavor, but by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus went to the cross for our salvation, yes. But Jesus went to the cross for our life decisions. For the things that affect us, that restrict us, that that hold us back. And if we harbor onto things, then we're not really fully living in all that Christ accomplished for us in the cross. He accomplished forgiveness for our sins so that we might forgive others' sins. What do we pray? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Philippians 3 Verse 13 says this. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. God has called each and every one of us heavenwards. As Greg sang earlier on, we've all got gifts and abilities and skills and God wants to give us more and more and more. And he'll give us more if we have the encounter with him at the bottom of the mountain and we're obedient and then we step over past mistakes and failures and hurts and go on up to meet him. Let me pray with you. got plenty of time this morning that's deliberate just want everyone just to quiet their own hearts quiet their own minds lots of things might be occupying your mind right now but just listen to what the Lord is saying this morning in Joe's word in Mike's word in the interpretation of the, of the tongue. God is saying to us that he is our God. God is saying to us we must trust in him. God is saying to us, don't, don't let the weight of life press you down and compact you so much that you're so hardened that you can't let his living water seep into your soul. He's a God of freedom. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God who heals. And he's encouraging every single one of us today. If we feel held back or pressed down or restricted, God's saying, step out in trust. You can trust him. Step over past hurt and failure. Might be lots of reminders there. But step into blessing. 
as you go up that mountain in life with God, as you spend more time with him and mature in him, see him meeting need, blessing, helping, guiding, God will be there and you will have mountaintop experiences. I'm going to invite the band up. Lord, I pray for every single person here today. Lord, that you would break up anything, Lord, that is a past hurt or a disappointment. Lord, that you would release people or allow your Holy Spirit to work on each and every one of us, Lord, to break up that stuff that has restricted us. And Lord, may we be free to go on back up that mountain, back up that mountain and experience you in a new, in a fresh, in an amazing way, giving us a legacy that can bless our families, bless our, our, our friends and our neighbors, our relationships for longer than perhaps even our life. Lord, we put ourselves in that position and we trust in you to help us. In Jesus' name, amen.